So this evening, brothers and sisters, we take time to remember, to mourn, and to be thankful for the cross of our Lord. And there are many texts we could go to concerning Jesus and the cross, but for this evening, we are just going to be in 1 Peter 2, 22 through 25 here. And reading a text from Peter concerning the cross is particularly interesting because remember, Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He was one of three in Jesus' inner circle. He was the first to confess that Jesus was the Christ, and he was also the disciple who denied Jesus three times on the night of Jesus' death. And so in 1 Peter 2 here, we have, uh, we're able to see in part how this sinner, like us, talked about the cross of his Lord Jesus. This will be our only text this evening, and to cover it quickly, we're only going to have simply three questions about Jesus and the cross here. Three questions. First, we're just going to ask, what was Jesus like as he headed to that cross? And then second, following that, we'll ask, and, and why did he even go to the cross? And then finally, third, we'll ask, and how did he do it? So in sum, what was Jesus like? Why did he go to the cross? And how did he do it? And I know even hearing those, you might know an answer in part to those questions, and that's okay, and even good. But still, as we are God's people here this evening, not only wanting to know, but to worship more, let's take some time and marvel at together what our Savior did for us 2,000 years ago. So we'll start with our first question, and that's what was Jesus like as he headed to the cross? And for this, we're going to be in the first two verses of our passage there in 1 Peter 2. So look down at your Bibles again. This is 1 Peter 2, verses 22 and 23. He, Jesus, committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So in answering our question, what was Jesus like as he headed to that cross, we have a pretty remarkable answer in those couple verses. But, but to begin on these verses, just so you know, a lot of this passage here is Peter actually quoting a famous prophecy about Jesus all the way back from Isaiah 53. But we actually won't focus much on that this evening. Instead, just, just taking the words for themselves here, notice how Peter describes what Jesus was like. And especially notice this knowing that this was Peter writing this. And so compare Jesus here to how Peter was that evening. So so what was Jesus like? Well, in verse 22, as you can see, he went to the cross having committed no sin and without any deceit being found in his mouth. Meaning, number one, Jesus really was innocent. The most innocent person to ever be on trial for anything. But then also, number two, specifically, Jesus never talked deceitfully, saying one thing and really meaning another, which really takes on quite the personal light, right, when we consider that Peter's writing this. And remember Peter that evening with his, I'll never deny you, and then I do not know the man, switch in one evening. And of course, Peter, if we're honest, is way more like you and I. But but that's only verse 22 on Jesus, and that's amazing in itself. But being totally innocent and and being put on trial unfairly like this, we could imagine that Jesus then in history could have decided to stand up for himself. 
He could have proved that he was innocent and fought back. But instead, now look again at verse 23 to see what also Jesus was like. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So now this shows us even more of what our Savior was like because here when, when Jesus was wrongly reviled, he, he could have rightly answered back. Right? And especially thinking about it, be, when he was suffering, being the innocent son of God, he could have threatened judgment. But he didn't. Instead, as Peter says, he continued just entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Meaning Jesus 2,000 years ago went willingly knowing he was being mistreated, and he trusted his father in all of it. And so all that said, what was Jesus like when he went to the cross? Well, to sum it up, on the one hand, he amazingly wasn't like us at all because he was innocent, because he had never spoken a deceitful word in his life, because he didn't fight back even though he could have totally won the argument in the trial. Or as Isaiah 53 says, quote, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Allah on trial to be crucified. But but then also, on the other hand, and strangely enough, the ending of verse 23 there does show us that Jesus in a way is our example as well as he was going to the cross. Because he in a sense was like us, or, or how we're supposed to be, all because of what defined him at the end there when he went to the cross. And that's how, as he was growing to the cross, he entrusted himself to his Father. In other words, Jesus, going to the cross, walked by faith. He walked by trust. And, and I know that might sound strange to us, since we know that Jesus is God and totally perfect, but remember Our Savior is also totally a human being. And that's then essentially what's emphasized by Peter here at the end because remember, this was awful mockery and pain. And Jesus was really shamed and condemned and tortured. And yet in all that, what was he like? Jesus went innocently, he went willingly, and he went faithfully. He he suffered and he entrusted everything to his father. He, the innocent lamb, walked in love for us and he walked by faith. And so that's what Jesus was like as he went to the cross. And, And I pray we just even worship him in our hearts as we hear that this evening. But that then brings us to our second question. And here we're asking, remember, and why did he do it? And for this, we'll be in most of verses 24 and 25. So look down to your Bibles, verses 24 and 25 now. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So so really quickly, notice here how Peter gives three beautiful reasons why Jesus did what he did. And this evening, we won't have time to elaborate on most of them, but I encourage you, as you're listening this evening, take whatever one of these, as a follower of Christ, take whatever one of these things appeals most to your heart and use it this evening in this Easter season to worship Jesus Christ. So so three reasons why Jesus went to the cross. First, in the middle of verse 24, he did it, quote, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And so now this is talking about us. 
Jesus' people, those who trust him. The goal in Jesus dying for our sins in our place is so that we may no longer be people now who sadly and miserably just live for sin, but instead die to that way of living and instead seek to live for righteousness like Jesus himself. So that's the first reason. Second, Jesus did it, as you can see at the end of verse 24, so that, quote, by his wounds you have been healed. And this is just a quote from Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53 and here, uh, the idea of healing isn't merely healing from physical sickness. Instead, healing is this idea of wholeness and body, soul, and spirit. And so Jesus came and was wounded in our place and for us so that we could be healed. And the truth is, he, he does heal us in many ways now especially in how our relationship with the living God has been healed. But soon when he comes back, we will totally be healed. Body, soul, spirit, in all relationships. Which leads to the third and the last reason here why Jesus went to the cross. And this is really all of verse 25. And if we had to say that one of these reasons is the overarching reason, it would be verse 25. Quote, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. In other words, Jesus went to the cross to bring you and I back, to bring us back to him, the good shepherd, to bring us back to him who sees over us and our souls, to bring us back to God. And the reason, if you're curious why this is the overarching reason, is because this, above all, is what everyone, what all of us desperately need. And this is what we should see really happening there on Good Friday. Because how do we live more lives of righteousness instead of selfishness and sin? Or, or how do we find true and lasting wholeness and healing? Or finally, how do we have more shalom, peace, and, and true joy? Well, it's not found in more self-achievement, right? It's, it's not found in just trying to be good, nor is it found in the world and having things like more wealth or health or the ideal political situation. Instead, our righteousness, our wholeness, our peace is found in having that right relationship with God. It's by knowing the God of righteousness. It's by knowing the healer himself. It's by knowing the God of peace and joy forever. And that's what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Which finally leads us to our third and last question this evening. And here we're asking, and how did he do it? And the answer to this is the central thing that happened there on Good Friday. And it is the title to our message from what Peter says at the beginning of verse 24. So look down in the middle of this passage at the beginning of verse 24 one last time. And sinful Peter, who remembers just like us, says this about how Jesus did it. The beginning of verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. So what's talked about right there is central in the prophecy all the way back from Isaiah 53, and clearly it's central in Peter's mind as he's thinking about Jesus' cross. Because if we think about it, on the one hand, Jesus' example of humility and, and, and innocence as he was going to the cross is beautiful. 
And then also these goals of righteousness and healing and bringing us back to God are great. But the question has always been, but how? And the answer is this fourfold reality that Peter says happened on the cross there on Good Friday. This full fourfold reality. And this is something that if, if you're a Christian here this evening, it would be great for you to memorize this part of this verse. This fourfold reality. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. <laughs> and so really quickly, because it summarized what, what actually happened on Jesus' cross, let's take those four aspects just one at a time, starting from the last to the first. So we'll begin at the end there where Peter says that this happened on a tree. And interestingly, the Bible doesn't say cross here like it does elsewhere even though for some reason some translations do say cross. Instead, the word in Greek here is just the word meaning tree or wood. And this is actually extremely significant, though, because Peter here is using the same Greek word that was used back in Deuteronomy 21-23, where God in the Old Testament talks about how a man hanged on a tree, same word, was cursed. And so the idea of Jesus dying on a tree isn't just to remind us that he literally died on a cross, although he did. Instead, he died on a tree, meaning he was cursed by God due to sin, which is something we deserve, not him. Which leads to the thing Peter says right before that, quote, in his body. And now this phrase shows us that although Jesus was perfect and was God, he was still a man and had a body. Right? And Jesus, in that body, we know he got tired, he got hungry, he got thirsty, he was tempted, and he was really able to feel pain. And so his body being on the tree reminds us that he actually was suffering there. And, and I know we know that, but isn't it so easy to easily dismiss the reality of Jesus' sufferings because we know he was God? <laughs> But the truth is, he suffered the awful bodily pains of being condemned and crucified. But that then brings us to the climax of that third thing that Peter says here. So Jesus was on a tree, and his body was there. But notice, Peter says something happened in his body. And, and so, so what happened in his body Well, third, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree. And and here's where we're finally now, brothers and sisters, getting to the central reality of what happened there on that cross on Good Friday. And again, much more time could be given to this, but this is why 1 Peter 2.24 here is so helpful. Because perhaps you're here and you've heard the, the general phrase, Jesus died for sins in the gospel. And that is beautiful and absolutely true. But what more specifically happened is that Jesus, who who was and is fully God and fully man, he, with a body, went to that cross. And, And then as he hung there, he was really cursed by God on that tree. He was really suffering in his body. And why? Well, because in his very body, on that tree, he was truly taking the sins of his people upon himself. He was suffering in his body, on that tree, what our sins rightfully deserve. And to be clear, this this is not because God is a cruel God who just happens to love punishing sin or anything like that. 
Instead, it's because our God, the living God, is a God of love. (laughs) Because in love, in order for sin to truly be forgiven and dealt with, it, it can't be swept under the rug and pretended like it didn't happen. Because love takes seriously wrongs that produce hurt. And so instead, in love, real sin has to be dealt with. And Jesus did that for his people by taking his people's sins in his body on that tree so that those very sins are done away with forever. And that being the case, instead of us being cursed, which is what he was, even though that's what we deserve, instead of that, we are now reconciled to God And amazingly, we forever receive God's grace. Which finally leads us to the fourth thing that Peter says there in verse 24, and this is how we'll close. So that, brothers and sisters, in essence, is the cross. Jesus was cursed on a tree. His body was there, and in his body, he was bearing his people's sins. But finally, to start verse 24, Peter emphatically writes, he himself did all this. And the reason the ESV has he himself here is because in the original language that he is emphatic. It'd be read, he bore our sins in his body on the tree. Meaning he's the one who did it. And and this is how we should all feel here this Good Friday and it's why we'll close this way. Because the truth is what we know as Christians is about everything that we've talked about here this evening. Things about like what Jesus was like and and what he did for us and, and how he did it. And all those are glorious realities that we've talked about that should lead us to worship. But specifically now here as we come to an end, we don't want to just be so focused on ideas that we more forget what this is really about. Because it's all about Jesus. It's about that he himself, we worship not ideas, but we worship him who did all this for us. Right, and this is partly why the early believers in history right away started calling themselves Christians. And it's why we still do too, because the reality is what we mourn and what we remember and what we worship here on Good Friday isn't just the cross technically, but we worship the someone who did all that for us on the cross in history. We're here to honor and be thankful for Jesus, the Son of God who who really came here 2,000 years ago, who went to the cross and rose again also that we could be forgiven. He himself suffered immensely and bore our sins in his body on that tree to bring us back to God. He really did that. And as for us then, first, if you are here and you do not trust in Jesus as your Savior right now, or maybe you come here on Good Friday because it's something you do with your friends or your family, then I do really encourage you to make this personal and trust in this Jesus, maybe for the first time here this evening. Because he did die for sinners in history. He is the Savior who's able to take all your sins and he truly is alive. And so I just encourage you, trust in him personally as your Savior this evening. But finally, church, for those of us who do know this, Jesus, by the grace of God, on this Good Friday, let's let's leave here really thinking about that he himself. Let's really make this all about him. 
And that means that, yes, let's, let's die more to sin in our lives and live more to righteousness. And yes, let's be thankful for his wholeness and healing that we're going to have now and forever. And yes, let's especially praise him that he has brought us back to God. But above all, let's leave here amazed and grateful for Jesus himself. <laughs> because church, he himself bore our sins in his body on that tree.